People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is Stephen Kravitz, it's People of the Book, and in studio we have Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. You've been looking at a number of books, just everyone's a highlight, so it's difficult to say which one you must look out for. But one that you must definitely write down or go to our Facebook page, I've already posted it on there with quite a blurb already. It's The Choice by Edith Eager. It's only out in September, but uh, start mentioning at Book Club and start looking just be on the lookout when you walk into the bookshops from September onwards. Uh, she's a Holocaust survivor, and this is her her book, The Choice. And then also Fierce Kingdom by Jen Phillips. Yeah. Okay, and the <laughs> next what, one. Yeah, yeah the next one. Uh, the next one is a book. Uh, it's a local book uh, by Maxine Case. Uh, it's an historical fiction. Uh, book clubs are going to adore this book. Uh, the story spans over 80 Years uh, set in the Cape Town area and the Rondebosch area towards the late uh, 18th century, and what's happening is there's you know there's a lot of competition right now for you know people coming in and obviously taking over, um, getting more land and that sort of stuff. And our main character, his name is Gert, and he um, owns well he inherits a farm after his father uh, passes away, and um, it was around that time they started bringing slaves in from Madagascar, and um, they bring he brings in. This one woman, her name is Lena, and she's born free in Madagascar, but they bring her into, into, you know, his space, and she starts to work for him, and as time goes by, he falls in love with her, and eventually they have a child together. Anyway, as the years go by, um, you know, he sort of falls into ruin, um, well, he's sort of starting to fall apart business-wise, and then he, he decides he has to marry to keep afloat, and he marries into this, uh, marries this woman from a very affluent family, and things start to get better, but the problem is the, the main, the first love of his life, Lena is still there in the house with the child, and the new wife obviously is not happy about this whole thing. So um, it's a, it's a love story essentially, and it's historical fiction. Um, this one uh, is available already in 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 stores. Maxine Case um, took a lot of the story from her own heritage. Uh, so down the line, um, you know, she sort of had ancestors who were slaves. Um, so she's pulled a lot from that. And uh, this is a, also quite a quite an interesting book to look at. So the title again? The, the title of the book is The Softness of the Lime by Maxine Case. The Softness of the Lime. Lime, yeah. L-I-M-E. Okay. Yeah. And that's available and it's local. It is local. And historical yeah. fiction, yeah. investigating romance, love, and the color the color and the master slave relationship lines. That's correct, yeah, yeah. And obviously, and she pulls in a lot of the history of the area as well, which is quite interesting. Okay, we're gonna to go to a giveaway right now. It's, it's, this is a, 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 a best-selling author, Simon Sebag Montefiore. He is an expert on Russia. He's also, he's written a number of books about Russian history, Stalin, the court of the Red Tsar, the Romanovs. He's also written a book called Jerusalem, which is hundreds of years tracking a few families, but it's a non-fiction. And uh, he's, he writes non-fiction, and he also writes fiction. And his fiction, he often sits in Russia. This is the second book that's been set in Russia in the, the Stalin era. It's called Red Sky at Noon. And the basic story, Stalingrad, Russia, 1942, war is on the horizon. Imprisoned in the gulags for a crime he did not commit, Benya Golden joins a penal battalion made up of Cossacks, convicts, and convicts to fight the Nazis. He enrolls in the Russian cavalry 
and on a hot summer day in July 1942, he and his band of brothers are sent on a desperate mission behind enemy lines, switching between Benya's war in the grasslands of southern Russia and Stalin's plans in the Kremlin, between Benya's intense affair with an Italian nurse and a romance between Stalin's daughter and a journalist, also on the Eastern Front, this is a sweeping story of passion, bravery and human survival, where personal betrayal is a constant companion and death just a heartbeat away. This is historic fiction set in World War II by a world expert on Russian history and a best-selling novelist. And uh, Red Sky at Noon... For those who don't win this book, but they do want to read it, it is available in the shops. All you have to do to win is send us your name and the title of the book you're currently reading. The SMS line is 34519, and the WhatsApp number is 0621482374. That's SMS 34519, WhatsApp 0621482374, and it's Red, New, Red Sky at Noon by Simon Sebag Montefiore. It's published by Century, and it is... World class historic fiction set in the rush on the Russian front during World War Two. Okay, your next title. <laughs> right, the next one is also um, something to do with war. Uh, this one is called Spoils by Brian Fenriet. Uh He sounds Afrikaans, but he's actually uh, American. Uh, in two thousand and three, he was studying at the University of Virginia, um, and that's about the time the Americans invaded Iraq, and he decided to join. And he went in, um, and he served as a um, let me get this rank. He was a tank crewman. Uh, he was enlisted as a tank crewman. Uh, so he did go through um, a few grueling battles. And when you read the book, it's probably one of the most, uh, this is a debut book, it's probably one of the most grueling um, accounts of, of the war there that you'll ever read. I promise you, there, there's two characters, the main characters in this. Um, one is Cassandra, who's an American young American girl, she's 19 years old and she's in the army, and the other is Abu al-Ahul and he is a jihadist and he's been that way his whole life, that's all he knows um, and he's coming to sort of a turning point in his life where he's starting to dis- sort of think for himself should he be a part of this movement or not and then there was a horrible gunfight that happens and Cassandra's involved and he helps her he rescues her. And that's sort of the turning point uh, where he says uh, he doesn't want to do this anymore. Um, so it is a debut uh, a book. It's, it's already out, so you will find it in store. Uh, the author actually got a bronze medal for Valor uh, during his time in there. So when you read it, it is it is really, really... You, you it puts you... It's very visceral. So it puts you right in the scene of how these things went down. And the scene where uh, Abu meets Cassandra in that, in that battle is particularly something to read. It's really good. Uh, so that's Spoils by Brian Fenriet. Yeah. Right. Then the next one is a South African book. Once again, uh, you know, we love our local authors. Johan Flocklo. The book is called A Gap in the Hedge. Um, and it's about a guy whose name is Carl, uh, he's served in the army, uh, and he's back, and he's had a troubled past, and he's not had a really good time. And he wakes up on the outskirts of this old mining town, and he cannot remember a thing. He cannot remember, you know, where he's from, he cannot remember if he has family, nothing. Um, and he sort of lives alone in this house. And next door, uh, there's three people that live there. There's a man and a wife and a little boy named Henry. 
And um, something happens And there's a, there's a hedge that separates the house And he starts to talk to this little boy Through the fence And he, sometimes the boy would just sort of creep into his yard as well And there's this gentle friendship that forms uh, Because this boy has a troubled home You know, and the father's a drug dealer And uh, the mother really can't control the situation So it turns out that the mother di- uh, dies in a um, in a drug deal that goes bad, and the father actually dumps her body in a mine shaft, which is horrific. Um, so, as the story goes on, there's this relationship that forms between Henry and Carl, and um, it's it's there's a twist that comes in the end, which I, I don't want to give away for no, you two readers. Yeah. yeah, but there is a twist that comes along, and you know, obviously, this relationship between this man and this little boy is the key part of it. Uh, so that's a gap in the hedge by Johan Flocklo, and that's also got a that's a local that's local that's fiction. local. Yeah, Johan actually served in the army, so it's very close. He's a painter as well. Uh, he considers himself a painter more than a writer, but I think this book is quite literary, and it's really something one of our best local ones this year. Yeah. So, so Penguin Random House is pushing it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely pushing it. It's called it, yeah. A Gap in the Hedge. A Gap in the Hedge by Johan Flocklo. And it's ideal for book clubs? Brilliant for book clubs. It's quite literary, but he writes, um, even though it's literary, it's actually quite accessible in that way. So it's not heavily, you know, uh, worded like that, but it's coming out in August. So this will be published in August. Uh, you'll be able to get it. Well, in that's, around, that's just around the corner. Yeah. Is he, where in South Africa does he live? He's in Cape Town. Okay. Yeah, he's in Cape Town. He's, it actually reads like, um, if you think about a Western in this sort of ghost towny kind of, that's the kind of setting that he's created with this one, which makes it quite interesting, you know. Um, there's actually, I wish they'd actually do a movie of this eventually. When I read it, I was like, they gotta do a movie on this. So it'd be quite interesting, especially for a South African landscape. Um, can I go to the next one? Yes. Actually, yes. Okay, cool. We'll have an ad break after this one. All right, great. Uh, so the next one is Don't Close Your Eyes. This is by Holly Seddon. Uh, she's done one before, and it was called Try Not to Breathe, which was a suspense thriller, which she's done really well. This one, she's actually, you can feel it. She's perfecting her craft now. The first one is great, but this one is much better. And it's two sisters, Robin and Sarah. Um, they're twins both of them they've had a very troubled past uh, their family um, you know they had a broken family and then they had a stepbrother named Callum who's involved and he's just a lovable character as well um, but they're twins with a difference usually twins are quite close and they you know but they sort of split up in their lives so Robin becomes a shut-in she just stays in her flat all day every day and just looks out the window uh, which is weird because she used to be in a rock band and this sort of outgoing extroverted person um, and it turns she just ends up being because of the troubles in her life, she ends up being a sh- sort of a shut-in and a recluse. And then there's Sarah, who's got a great life. Husband, you know, everything's going well until something happens and it, everything goes badly. And then her husband keeps her away from her toddler and out of the house. And, you know, so she needs help. And so it, she goes back. There's a lot of secrets that happened in the past, which as you go through the book, will will uncover. Um, this one is one of those knockouts. And you go like 90% in thinking, okay, I know where this is going to go. And you get to that last 10% and it just flips the storyline on you, which is which is quite quite entertaining. Um, this one is out. It's, well, it's out now, 20th of July. Uh, so it is available in stores. And the, the title? The title is Don't Close Your Eyes by Holly Seddon. Holly Seddon. Okay, yep. yeah. yeah. Well, we have an ad break quickly and we have a f- few more titles to the half, you know, to half past, half past the hour. Cool. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book. We're sitting in conversation with Viz, Viz Chetty from uh, Penguin Random House. 
great list of books. Anyone who's just tuned in, or if you're about to get out the car, or if you're not going to hear the rest of the show, go to our Facebook page, People of the Book on 101.9 Chai FM. That's the, that's what you have to put in once you're on Facebook. Go to the page. You'll find all the titles that we've mentioned today and will be mentioned today already posted. And then you can also go back for the last year and a and a half and see all the other books that we've mentioned when you go to book club just look at that page before you go to be your preparation when you're in the bookshop take your fa- your your smartphone out go to facebook and be your, we'll be your guide in what to read next and now we've got uh we do have a winner for the um for the for the book red sky at noon we'll take your details down and the office will call you uh but we've got more books to get through from uh, from visas uh Top, top titles. <laughs> yeah. uh, just two more, just two more. Um, the last, uh, the, the second last one is Final Girls by Riley Sager. Now, Riley Sager is a, there's a trend now I see with authors trying to uh, take on very, um, what can I say, unisex kind of sounding names. Because Riley Sager is actually Todd Ritter and he was a published author at one stage as well and he had a series of books. Um, and, it, you know, they were called, uh, they were detective sort of novels and there was three of them. So he's back and he's changed his name to Riley Sager. This is probably one of the darkest um, uh, twisted books I've read this year. It's called Final Girls. Um, and the story is around three young girls, Quincy, Lisa, and Samantha, who all are survivors of massacres. So they're all involved at some stage or the other, um, mass killing. So there's, you know, a lot of people died and they were sole survivors. Now the, the media puts them all together into this you know, this like these are the final girls and gives them a title and, you know, sort of does what the media does. Um, so, but they don't know each other. They don't know each other, you know. And as time goes by, one of the girls supposedly commits suicide. And the other girl contacts our main character, Quincy. There's Quincy, Lisa, and Samantha. So Lisa contacts Quincy and says, listen, this girl has committed suicide, but I don't think it's a suicide. You know, I think something's happening here. Um, and then it becomes... Um, quite a mystery as to what's happened to her and what's coming out for them. So it's also one of those books, and I don't know if you've read, uh, Steve, um, Ellie Land's book. Um, yeah, Good Me, G- Bad, Good Me, Me yes. Bad Me, where you sort of get an unreliable narrator. And that's what this one is also about. It's an unreliable n- narrator uh, in Quinn. So it's it's quite interesting in that respect. It's probably one of our bigger debuts as well for this year. Um, and it's Final Girls by Riley Sager. It, it is quite dark, I must be honest. So if you're someone who's not really into that kind of stuff, um, rather not. But I think it's a really good psychological... And once you've mentioned the Ellie Sand book, Good Me, Bad Me, yeah. she is coming to South Africa on an author tour. Yes. I did read the book and I did review it earlier this year. It is dark, <laughs> it has to be said, yeah. but I have tried to also arrange an interview with her here on High FM okay. so that uh, if, if anyone needs persuading why they should read a dark novel, <laughs> we'll put that question to Ellie Sand in a few weeks' time. I think so, yeah. <laughs> right, and then my last one is Here and Gone by Helen Beck, who's actually um, another pen name for Stuart Neville who was a famous so author Stuart Neville's great or yeah. Irish uh, crime crime yeah. yeah you know he's done so well with, with that and his name is Stuart Neville so he's changed his name again see again you're looking at this trend between get, you know getting sort of ambiguous names like Halen Beck is sounding very but anyway it's a brilliant book uh, there's interest in this one uh, going to be a movie so I'm going to see how that they did option for this to be a movie soon but the story goes uh, the main character's name is Audra and she leaves her husband you know he's quite he's quite a, um, an abusive guy so she decides I'm going to pack it in and get out of here before anything happens to myself or the kids and she decides 
um, she's going to take off in the night and she puts the kids in the car and they're big kids and, and the kids in the book are actually really um, nice to read about as well because the intelligent the son is quite uh, articulate and what he, you know how he talks and things like that so there's, there's very interesting characters in this one and then she decides she's going to drive away so she packs them in and she starts driving off into um, and she hits Arizona and she and she's realized she's on a very lonely road and then um Obviously, by that time, the husband comes to know this is what's what's sort of going on. And then she drives in. It's late at night, and she sees a, a patrol vehicle um, in her mirror, and then she gets pulled over by the sheriff. Anyway, he says to her, listen, you've got to come back with me to the station. Um, your husband's filed some reports and things like that. So she, they split them up. So people that take care of the kids come and take her kids away, and then she goes with the sheriff. When they get to the station, they deny that she had kids with her in the car completely and that's where everything sort of goes all over the place so again this is a, a psychological um, uh, thriller as well or suspense rather um, and this is also quite a good one that's coming uh, by Helen Beck and the book is Here and Gone Here and Gone yeah okay, I really like Stuart Neville's books they're yeah. great he's yeah, written one of his best well they're all very good Rat Lines I really yes. enjoyed a lot yeah so it's just interesting that he's changed his name for this one yeah. Helen Beck Helen Beck yeah. Here and Gone <laughs> Here and Gone that's it okay it's something to look out for yes, and uh, we, we've got we've got a few more giveaways to yep. give out for the rest of the show yep. uh, thank you t- for coming into the studio only a pleasure and hopefully we'll bring you in once 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 every few weeks oh that'll be great and you can yeah. share your passion and yeah. the great titles that you have at yeah. uh, Penguin Random House Penguin yeah. Random House and we've got so many more coming I mean all our big ones have. I didn't even touch on any of our big ones on this one but we'll get to it yeah, we'll get during to the it. course of the, the next few months yeah yeah we've got there, so there's, much there's a new Dan Brown <laughs> yeah there's a space uh, space endurance. astronaut book endurance yeah there's a lot yeah. there's a lot coming out from yeah. your from yeah. your publishers so we, we'll talk again um, can I touch on that one quickly? Yeah. This one here, brand new Marion Keys. It's called The Break. Um, it's classic Marion Keys. If you if you like any of her other works, which I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, Watermelon. Uh, and this one is about our main character, whose husband comes to her after a, a, a length of time, and you know, they're married for quite a while. They have a child as well, and he comes to her and says, "I need a break." And then she says, "What do you mean you need a break?" She says, "No, I'm going to go backpacking across Asia. I'm going to do it on my own, um, and I just need a break from from us." And then she. Like what is going on You know Because does she stay loyal to him Does she leave him Does You know Does she just wait for him To come back from his <laughs> Expedition You know So uh, it's quite funny And it's quite a sweet message to it uh, And that's the classic Marion Keys Coming to you later in the year as well So that's It's not available yet Not yet But no. if you do like Marion Keys There is a new one And then the, lo- the other one That you've got Oh here? yeah sure Yeah that'll be great This is Chip and Dan Heath uh, It's called The Power of Moments It's also a really really good uh, I would say business Self help kind of book um, and it's basically about creating these moments in your business or even in your life that uh, that sort of inspire and and encourage you to go further. So um, they've done quite a few good ones in the past. Switch and uh, Made to Stick were, were some of them, and this is a brand new one from them coming to you in uh, November. Okay, yeah. sure. Okay, that's great list of titles. The, the the Penguin Random House brings them out. <laughs> I really do. And thank you for coming. We'll have a we'll bring you in in the we'll we'll bring you in in the next next few weeks so okay. you can then now look at uh, the next the next batch of great titles. Fantastic. But thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Here on People of the Book, we're going to continue. I've got a few books that I'm going to review myself. The first one that I'm going to talk about is. This book with us with a with a very interesting South African connection towards the end. It's a true 
uh, Cold War spy story. It's called The Man with the Poison Gun. It's published by One World, and it's written by Serhi Plochy. Uh, Serhi is a professor of Ukrainian history at Harvard, and he is also the director of the university's Ukrainian Research Institute. He's a leading authority on Eastern Europe. He's the author of several books, including The Last Empire, which won the Pushkin House Russian Book Prize. Uh, he lives in America in Massachusetts. He also has a book on coming out later this year from Penguin Press about the impact of Russian nationalism on the world, the rising uh, Russian nationalism that we're seeing under Putin. He's quite prolific, uh, but that book's only coming out in October, November. This is a real Cold War spa story. Uh, late in the summer of 1961, a KGB assassin defected to West Germany. Bogdan Stashinsky had already traveled on numerous occasions to Munich, where he'd single-handedly tracked down and killed enemies of the communist, the Russian, the Soviet communist regime. His weapon, a unique top-secret design, killed without leaving a trace. Just before the border closed and work began on the Berlin Wall, Stashinsky crossed into the West and spilled his secrets to the authorities. His trial revealed a gripping tale of exploding parcels, fake identities, forbidden love, and a daring midnight escape. His story would inspire Ian Fleming's final novel. This would not be the end of the intrigue. It appears that Stashinsky was released from prison in West Germany long before he served out his sentence. Counting world leaders among his enemies, he changed his face with substantial plastic surgery, changed his name, and disappeared. The last word had it that he'd gone to South Africa. He may be alive, living in South Africa, even today. So this is this is the true story of a Cold War Soviet spy who defected, and in the final few, you know, uh, part in the in the final parts of the book, mention the South African connection that he no one's 100% certain but that he ended up in South Africa a South African army chief, uh, a police chief I should say, went on record, if Stash- this is the quote from the book, this is uh, towards the end, if Stashinsky was not in the United States, then where had he gone? The answer was unexpectedly provided by another retired general, Mark Heldenhuis, in a series of interviews that he gave in early March 1984 to a South African newspaper reporter. Heldenhuis was the 60-year-old former head of the secret branch of the South African Security Service, the Bureau for for State for State Security, or BOSS, boss, which was known for its rough counterintelligence tactics and human rights violations in dealing with the liberation movements led by the ANC. In June 1983, eight months before granting the interviews, Heldenhuis had retired from as police commissioner. On the 5th of March 1984, the Cape Times, the oldest South African daily newspaper, ran the interviews. The piece began with Heldenhuis's biography and a description of Stashinsky's killing of Lev Rebet, the killing of Bandera 
would be included in the next issue of the newspaper. In the interview, the retired general claimed that Stashinsky had come to South Africa from Germany and that he, Heldenheis, then a colonel and second-in-command at Boss, had been the first South African official to interrogate the new settler. Heldenheis describes, described some aspects of Stashinsky's life in South Africa but refused to disclose others. Stashinsky's dossier is one of the world's best-kept secrets, he told the reporter, and in fact is still partly so since Stashinsky's new identity and whereabouts would never be disclosed. If a KGB assassination team was still hunting for Stashinsky, this would have been an important clue as to where Stashinsky had started his new life. The problem was that the Soviet Union had no diplomatic relations with South Africa at the time, and carrying out any operation in that country would be a logistical nightmare. Besides, Gildan has told the newspaper no one would now be able to recognize Stashinsky. South African connection in one of the greatest espionage stories of all time, one of the highest ranking Soviet spies who defected to the West in the 1960s, uh, the man with the poison gun, and who possibly ended up in South Africa, well he did, but he could possibly still be alive, he'd be quite old by now, but living somewhere who knows, maybe your next door neighbor in Johannesburg, the quiet man who's not talking much to you, might be a Soviet, a former Soviet spy. Now, the next few books I'm going to do all have a theme. We're doing a Greek theme today. Uh, not for any other reason, but the fact that I have three books with a Greek connection. And so it's just nice to package them together and do them together. So those books, there's one. A very, very contemporary political memoir called Adults in the Room by Yanis Varoufakis. And the other two are retellings of classical myths. The, the two of the most powerful Greek myth, myths. The story of Jason and the Argonauts who go on their ship, the Argo, in search of the Golden Fleece is retold by Emily Hauser in a book called For the Winner. And then the great Greek tragedy, the story of Oedipus uh, is retold by Natalie Haynes in a book called The Children of Jocasta. And uh, these are all three extremely powerful and brilliant books. Uh, I'll start with The Children of Jocasta. The story of Oedipus is its a famous myth. It's been resurrected in the 20th century. It was resurrected in the 20th century by Sigmund Freud, who used Oedipus to name his one of the central uh, dynamics within the development from Freud's perspective of the human psyche, the Oedipus complex, where a child, a boy, loves his father and has a jealousy towards his mother. He chose the name Oedipus because the, the famous myth, very, very tragic myth, and I'm not giving anything away by telling you the myth because if, I suppose most people who read the book will know the myth and they want you to see how... A, new, uh, a, a, a young author has treated that story in their book. Uh, Oedipus's father was King Laius of the city of Thebes. He received a prophecy that if he has a child, his son will kill him and marry his wife. Uh, in the book, uh, and the prophecy comes true without realizing it. In order to avert the prophecy, a whole number of actions are put in motion that actually bring about the fulfillment of the prophecy. Oedipus does kill his father, and he unknowingly marries his mother. When his mother finally, eventually works the whole 
the whole truth out. She kills herself. And there are different forms of the myth as to what happened to Oedipus afterwards. This Oedipus, uh, um, Oedipus's mother, also the previous king, Laius's wife, and then also Oedipus's wife, her name is Jocasta. And the story is, this book is called The Children of Jocasta. It's a very, very tragic story, what happens to the family. But here it's told with a great new freshness. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been updated for the 21st century. It's just been told from the perspective of Jocasta herself, a woman who in the original telling of the story of the, one of the original plays, Oedipus, uh, Oedipus Tyrannus, only has about 120 lines. Here she's made the central character of the book. So she, the, the story's the same, but the perspective is altered. But the other change also is the book's called The Children of Jocasta, and alternate chapters, one chapter will say, will continue the story from Jocasta's perspective, and then alternate chapters will tell the story from her youngest daughter, Ismene's perspective. So here we have Jocasta and her youngest daughter, the, the, the one of the only two surviving of her four children at the end of the story. And the way that the story has been structured and the way that so much research that uh, Natalie Haynes has gained from archaeological digs is put into the story, the way that the palace, the the city, uh, reconstructed on the page, makes the ancient world immediate. It makes it real. It makes it vital. You're not reading about people who exist in myths. You're reading about real people with all the normal characteristics of normal people. The, the flaws and the strengths, the relationships that they have between each other. And there's a few other elements that she's also brought into the story, some that she's made up, but that really give the, the myth, the story of Oedipus, the tragic story of Oedipus, that much more freshness and makes the story worthwhile. It's beautifully, beautifully written. I am thoroughly fascinated with the, the ancient world. Uh, the Bronze Age, the early Iron Age. Here we're going back to the Bronze Age. We're going back to a time where women hadn't been disempowered as they would be in the Iron Age. And you have Jocasta becoming a queen over the city of Thebes. When her husband is killed, they don't realize it at the time, but by her, his own son. It's a very, very, very interesting a period of world history. Cities are entire states. You don't have a country with lots of cities. Each city is its own state. The travel between cities is a dangerous endeavor. Epidemics can break out that can destroy a city, and it happens in Thebes during the course of the story. Uh, the, 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 the belief in oracles and in gods comes up, and then that straightforward politics, that power play between people who are close to the king, who want to maintain their access to power, that flows through the whole way through the book. It's a very powerful and a very beautiful, beautiful retelling of the story of Oedipus. Uh, Natalie Haynes has written a number of books about the ancient world, and she is flowering into a master author, and she uses the classical Greek mythology as her basis. We'll be back with more books about the Greeks uh, straight after this ad break. 
People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. And once again, the same change of perspective from a woman's point of view. Some 3,000 years ago, in a time before history, the warriors of Greece journeyed to the ends of the earth in the greatest expedition the world had ever seen. One woman fought alongside them. That woman who fought alongside them is Atalanta. She's also overlooked, but every age goes back to the Greek mythologies and wants to retell them in light of their own social uh, and their, their, their own social beliefs. So here we have the story of Jason and the Argonauts from a woman's perspective. Atalanta was abandoned at birth on the slopes of Mount Pelion, which is the mountain by the Greek city of Pegasus. She, when she finds out that the family that she's been raised in is her adopted family, she's determined to leave them, not to cut them out, but to take time to go find out who her true parents are. And when she finds out who her father is, she's determined to prove her worth to her father, the father who cast her aside. She is a master hunter. She is very, very fast when she runs. She disguises herself as a man and she claims her place on the Argo with Jason and his Argonauts and they set out to go to what is today modern day Georgia on the Black Sea in search of the legendary Golden Fleece. In the company of men who will go down in history as heroes, Atalanta must fight against all the odds and even the will of the gods to take control of her destiny and change her life. And the one, it's, it's a beautifully told story. And in this case, um, Emily Hauser didn't feel compelled to make it realistic to the same degree that Natalie Haynes has made the children of Jocasta realistic. So we do have every few chapters, we have a perspective of the gods and the goddesses on Mount Olympus, Mount Olympus, who want to manipulate the uh, the lives of the mere mortals on earth and that adds a whole different element to a book like this it is beautifully beautifully told with some some wonderful little uh you know modern day throw-ins you know, where did the golden fleece come from it's just like a throwaway line when the gods are speaking how that golden fleece that the mere mortals are uh endangering their lives to 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 go and still it becomes a wonderful wonderful adventure story but it's also an investigation into such things as free choice and destiny and trying to win in a situation where Atalanta has all the all the odds stacked against her but that power that she has to manipulate through her own choices her ultimate destiny. It's a beautiful, beautiful retelling of the story of Jason and the Argonauts, but from a woman's perspective, in both of these books, uh, even if you're not interested in ancient Greek mythology, they are just very, very powerful stories. I think at at the core, mythologies crystallize the most basic storylines into very, very either exciting or very tragic stories. And I think that's what keeps us going back to the Greek mythologies, to get back to the, the earliest, some of the earliest retellings of the most basic storylines. Now, the next book is 
anything but uh, ancient. It's very, very contemporary. Yanis Varoufakis was the Greek Minister of Finance in 2015. He only remained in that position for six months, and it was a very, very stormy six months. And before that, he was an academic. His, his speciality was game theory and the application of game theory to economics. He lectured in Australia and in America. He was called back to Greece during the time of austerity in order to help the Greek government get through the, the, the absolute, the catastrophe which was the, the, the collapse of the Greek economy. His academic achievements brought him to the, 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 the Greek left-wing party, Syriza's attention, and he became the finance minister under the, the Syriza government. But it was a very, 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 very difficult time. The Guardian, in their review of this book, asks, is this perhaps one of the best political memoirs ever? The reason that they're saying that is it is a very, very strongly Greek story. It is, but it is also the, 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 the exercise of power at the heart of the EU. And it's the knowledge that certain key players, people such as Angela Merkel from Germany and Hollande, uh, uh, Francois Hollande from France, knowledge that they had about how unsuccessful, how utterly uh, uh, destined to fail the packages that they were forcing on the Greeks would be, but they still pushed ahead with their with their austerity measures, which they f- forced on the Greeks. During the time that Yanis Varoufakis was the, fin- the finance minister of Greece, a referendum was held asking the Greek electorate if they wanted to follow the austerity packages that the Germans and the EU were forcing on them. And 62% of the population voted against. But the the government, the Syriza government, which had been voted in, le- uh, in order to reject austerity and all the conditions of the EU and led by the Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras went against the referendum's resounding uh, uh, results in order to subjugate Greek to even greater austerity than what the, the, the electorate had even been asked asked to, uh, asked if that was what they wanted. It's 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 the politics and the exercise of power at the very very centre of the EU that makes this book the the great political memoir that it is. Yanis Varoufakis is a complicated individual. He was pictured and he mentions this in the book uh, in a in a in a photo shoot. In the French society magazine Paris Match, uh, and he dis- he did say later on that that was a mistake. He met the the Chancellor of the Exchequer in Britain wearing a leather jacket, not a suit. He did say that he had left his baggage, he left his suitcase in the car in the taxi 
when he was leaving Athens because uh, the taxi driver was singing his praises. That was his excuse. He is the type of person who does look for controversy, and he took the Greek government to the very, very edge. He used his game theory in order to try and negotiate with the EU, but it was true brinkmanship. There are many, many, many who criticized him, uh, I was discussing the book with someone in South Africa, a Greek in South Africa, a Greek, a Greek lady who li- lives in South Africa, and she said he was an absolute sellout. So he has created huge passions around pro and anti Yanis Varoufakis feelings. But the 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 value of the book is that he went into meetings in what he calls the deep establishment of the EU with his cell phone on record and he's used those recorded conversations and he recreates them in his book so it is primary evidence of what happens he believes that there is a well not a secret but there's a deep establishment made up by finances bankers politicians and the media and what they want they will force on europe or on any country that comes under their control. He feels that this is very, very strongly how the world is run. Uh, it does sound a bit like conspiracy theorists th- and theories, but if you have been in that position where your country is taken to the very, very brink of collapse and you've been dealing with these people and this is what they are doing, it does give you the right, and if you've got the conversations recorded, it does, it does give you the right to talk about and write that down for the historical record. That is uh, Yanis Varoufakis, Adults in the Room. And this is the last book I want to mention. I must probably do it again next week. It's called Exile by James Swallow. It is available on the shelves at the moment. It's an explosive thriller. It is, if, if, if your job was to sit in a think tank and think of the worst, worst, worst possible scenario for world security, this is the book that you would come up with, and you'd hope that the ending would be <laughs> something positive because it's one of those action thrillers that just keep you at the edge of your seat. His previous book was called Nomad and someone from the publishers told me that when Wilbur Smith was in South Africa in his most recent um, author tour, he was reading James Swallow's Nomad and he said Unputdownable, a must read and they've put that on the cover of this book as well. Exile by James Swallow, published by Zaffer. It is a great, great thriller. It's uh, going to keep you at the edge of your seat and up late in the night because it is just one of those books that show you how very, very, very fragile world security actually is. So that's people of the book for today. Um, just to repeat once more, if you are interested in reading a very, very good Holocaust book, two that you can read on Tisha B'Av, uh, I'd recommend Lawrence Reese's The Holocaust and The Final Solution by David Cesara. That's a, that, that book is a, it's a magnum, magnus opus, a magnum opus of the, 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 the lifetime of a, of a Holocaust historian, The Final Solution by David Cesara. And also another very, very good book, as I said, was Lawrence Reese's The Holocaust. Until next week, good Shabbos, keep reading, and we'll be back on air next week.